the question would be asked is, why is negativity so powerful? Uh, there's, a, there's a video that went viral a few years ago. I say a few years ago. Now I realize, as I said that, that a few years ago is now approaching 24 years ago. But in 2000, before, before YouTube really was what it is now, uh, a point was trying to be made to st- make a statement that your mind and your focus can draw you to a certain thing and it can bring you to a place where it's difficult to see other things. And so uh, this certain video, it, it, it kind of brings you to a place where that tells you, it says this, focus on how many times the team in the white, Brother Jerry, they had white shirts and black shirts, and they had three people on one team and three people on another team. And the question was, focus on how many times the team in the white shirts passed the ball. And in this video, you're watching in this small you know, screen, and you focus now on, on passing the ball, and, and there's, the black team has the ball, but the white team has the ball as well, and they're passing as they walk through a crowd, and they're moving about. They're moving here, and they're moving there, and they're passing. And so you're counting one, two, three, four, and you're so focused on it that it asks a question at the end of the video about 30 seconds of this activity, and it says, how many times did they pass the ball? And, and I answered it correctly. I said 15, and it responds back, and it said, you should have counted 15 passes. Like, yes, I won. But then it asked the question, did you see the gorilla? I said, the gorilla? And it takes you back, and it kind of reloops through the video. And the video now shows that in the middle of that, you were so focused on the team in the white shirts passing the ball and counting and not missing that the team in the black shirts were passing the ball and in the middle of that, in walks a gorilla. And it stands in the middle and it smiles and then it walks out. Mac and Rock, the, the, the researchers show that while our brains might process, and somebody needs to hear me tonight, because this is, I'm, I'm going to, I promise you this, someone needs to get a hold of a little positivity. Can I just say that? The old Chinese proverb says, look at the wrinkles on someone's face, and you'll see the outlook they've had on their life. Y'all can check them on the way out and find out probably a few that I'm talking about. Don't worry, they just took that as a negative statement. Mac and Rock's research show that while our brains might process everything, our eyes see, the mind might never become aware of it. Your focus and your attention are the keys to the information processing that filters what goes on in the conscious mind. A negative bias is what it's called. Then is really a negative attention bias. When we focus on negative things, we actually, the research shows, reshape our perception into seeing negative things. You might be so focused on counting all the negative events in your life that you entirely miss the positive gorilla that's in the frame. Something showed up in the moment of everything else going on, and you missed it because you were so focused on the assignment that was counting the negative events. 
If someone tells you just to think about the positive side, and I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of saying just think about the positive. But yet also I'm guilty of many times focusing and, and feasting on the negative. But if someone says that, they're asking for a more difficult task than they realize. The side effect of negativity causes you not to perceive the positive aspects of a given event at all. You can walk out and say, you know what? Someone can say, we had a great, great service or we had a great family reunion. Let's go with that because the other part might be a little too sensitive for some. But we had a great family reunion and you'd say, yeah, it was great. Wasn't the food good? Yes. I'm so thankful that Brother Moss brought the turkey and the rice thing that he cooks. I'm so glad. What didn't you enjoy? It was good. But the temperature just wasn't right. And I can't believe that one uncle showed up. And he told me, he told me that he was going to bring me the money he owed me, but he never paid me back. You know, we can go through all these things. I'm, I'm, I'm joking here, but the reality is, is that we can find something. And what this research shows is that if you look close enough, you look hard enough, or you're intentional enough to find the negative, you now walk in with a negative bias that this is too light, or this is too dark, or that's too loud, or this is too much there, or I can't believe my wife this, and I can't believe this one that, and I can't believe these things. When all around you, good things are happening, flowers are growing, trees are doing well, life is good, you've got a roof over your head, water's flowing when you turn the sink on, or when you turn the faucet it on everything's good around you but yet we can find because of our negative bias this isn't even bible yet i'm just talking about regular old life that we've been shaped to think and to look that this is bad that's bad that's bad but in the midst of all that's bad it's proven that many gorillas walk in and wave at you but you never notice them because you're only wired to see and understand all the bad and it's, it's a problem in our, in, our, in our world right now. It's a struggle to where we are right now because we, we, we research shows that our brains evolved to react much more strongly to negative experiences than positive ones. It kept us safe from danger, but in modern days where physical danger is minimal, it often just gets in the way. It's called this negative or negativity bias. And the whole research started where you would understand and you'd remember what not to do. The reality is this. I touch a hot stove and I learn that's negative. Don't touch it again. So it produces a positive mindset. I go and I put my foot on uh, um, in, in, in front of the door and I slam it and I think, oh, that hurts. Don't slam the door on your foot again. Don't do that. I walk to the living room at night and I find the one, one shoe or the one toy that was left out. And that Lego sends a pain through my history, sends a pain through my body. And I learn to turn the light on or use my light when I'm walking at night. It teaches me from the negative something positive. But somewhere along the lines, because we're no longer cavemen, we've now begun to now think a little different and negativity is no longer something that teaches us it's something that keeps us and it keeps us in the mindset that all is bad because I stepped on the Lego all is bad because I shut the door on my foot all is bad because I touched the stovetop is this okay tonight and the reality is is no not all is bad not all is bad you just touched the stovetop. 
And we can, we can move on from that. We can pick up from that. We can do well from that. And so here's what I want you to get tonight. I want you to figure out a few things with me. How we overcome negativity and how we get through negativity is we recognize the source of negativity. We've got to find the source. If you go and cut um, the weeds out of your yard and leave the root, then you don't deal with the weed in your yard. And so I've got to find the source. What's the source? Ephesians 6 and 12, and I'll read a different version for our struggle. It's not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We deal with things that are above what we could possibly fathom. There are things operating and moving constantly that we have to be sensitive of. And what we've talked about, and I've even had a conversation recently, and I won't tell who, but I've had a conversation with someone recently about the things that that operate, the principalities of the air, the spiritual uh, wickedness that is often at work. That's why I've got to be careful with what I listen to, who I talk to, what I watch, because many times what I'm watching is not there just to um, entertain me. It's there to latch onto me and it's there to go with me and to bring something into my life and into my world. So I've got to recognize the source. Where is what I'm feeling coming from? Is it coming from somebody else or something else? Or is it coming from my own thinking and the way that I process things? Is the coming from the way that I've placed something on my eyes and I view everything a certain way. Ephesians 6 and 12, it, it, it touches on spiritual warfare and the struggle against negative forces. We must learn to face negativity with spiritual armor. Ephesians 6, 12 reminds us of the unseen spiritual battles that we face daily. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers. Another uh, uh, um, version says, over present darkness, against the spiritual uh, forces of evil and heavenly places. And so I've I've got to make sure I understand the source. And the reality is that you and I must understand is that many times when we feel like we can't get through anything, we try to, we try to behave differently. We try to act differently. We try to create a new list for our day. But I'll tell you this real fast. If you feel like things are constantly against you, your first thing you should do right now, the first thing you should understand is you ought to go into your living room, go into your house, go into your bedroom, or you can go right here and you ought to go to a place where you say, God, I'm asking right now for whatever it is that's coming against me to be broken in Jesus name. I'm not going to let this happen anymore. I'm taking control of my home. I'm taking control of my thoughts. I'm I'm taking control of my life and I speak life into what seems to always be negative. I want good things to happen. So I speak your word over them. So we must recognize the source of negativity and we also must identify the real enemy. Same scripture talks about all the things we're facing, the spiritual forces. We must, we must deal and understand that, 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 that my family, my friends are not always the ones that I'm fighting. It's spiritual things that I'm fighting. It's darkness that I'm fighting. I must know who my adversary is in order to fight what I'm dealing with. And the, the, the third thing I'll say before we go into our next little area of teaching tonight is that we must, must put on the full 
armor of God. In verses following Ephesians 6, 12, we learn about the armor of God. There are tools, uh, these are tools that help us stand firm against negativity and, and spiritual attacks. The armor includes the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, shoes of the gospel of peace, the shield of faith, helmet of salvation, and the, the, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And these, these, these pieces that we're talking about are very, very important, each in their own way, but they're also important in the chemistry of all of them together. Let me just say to you real fast that it doesn't take just one part or three parts. It takes all these things together. The armor of God is an illustration in the Bible that reminds you and I of the reality or about the reality of spiritual battles. Let me just tell you real fast. We've got to get in tune with the, with the spiritual battles. We're fighting spiritual battles right now. We're fighting spiritual things. You think it's just this? No, we're fighting spiritual battles right now. And we've got to be in tune with that because you've got to make sure that you know and understand what you're, what you're fighting, what you're dealing with. You've got to make sure you understand what it is your kids are coming home with, what your husband or wife's coming home with. You've got to know what it is. We've got to know how to fight these things. And we've got to know that we cannot fly, fight these things with flesh and blood. But we've got to fight these things with, with spiritual things. We've got to go to war in the spirit to overcome these things. And so we've got to understand that each piece has a distinct purpose in means of defense against temptation and evil. And we cannot, uh, we're not exempt from putting on these things in these moments of needing to lift ourselves above negativity and the fights of the spirit that might come against us. But, but, but I, I want you to get this with me if you can. I, I want you to hear me. It's, it, it challenges us to put on the full armor. So daily suiting up um, in the armor of God can feel at times as a task and can feel as, at times as, as, as redundant, but with prayer and practice, you and I can learn how to better implement the daily um, acquiring of each of these things and know how to control this. This is, this is the battle. This oftentimes is the battle. It's right here. So uh, the first thing I want you to focus on with me is the belt of truth. 6 and 14 says, stand firm then. With a belt, let me see here, uh, it says, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having on the breastplate of righteousness. But that first part is speaking about the belt of truth. And we'll leave that scripture up for a moment, but it's speaking about having your loins gird, this, 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 this area. Some translations use this phrase like having girded your loins with truth. The loin is an uncommon term in vernacular. It refers, and this is from a commentary that I, that I was able to grab a little bit from today. It refers to the lower back, but it includes every area of that, that middle region. It's in ancient days, men that would go into battle, they would wear 
wear long robes that would get in the way of work or fighting. So they would wrap up the long draping material. This was girding up one's loin so they could run, move quickly, and they could, they could uh, operate in the way they needed to. They would take the back of that, that longer um, garment and they would pull from the back and they'd pull up to the front and they would tuck it in that belt so they could move and they could go about. And so the Lord knew the loins needed to be wrapped in truth. Regardless of our culture, our time, the Lord has seen all our paths and how they have hurt and derailed us. He knows that we need truth. Our identity, oftentimes that new phrase, uh, um, the, the, the word identity is, 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 is tied only to our sexuality, but this is one facet of our lives that we often view as a definer. The first area of life in which the enemy frequently attempts to rattle is our sense of our, our identity. Where do I belong? What, do I, what have I done? Who am I in this life? What do I have going on? What have I missed? And, and so the enemy tries to affect that and the things pertaining to all all that goes along with um, our identity is easy picking for the enemy. So it tries to hit you with doubt. And that's where it starts, trying to make you doubt who you are, trying to make what, uh, you doubt what you're called to be, trying to make you doubt what you've accomplished or how faithful you've been. And so what do we do to fight against that? We get the belt of truth. Why? Because truth always clarifies where we might doubt. Truth gives you identity. Truth fights against what you might be truth tells you you are who you are in God no matter what the enemy says about you or what they do about you are what you are in God he gives us our identity and so I've got to understand the first piece of armor is the belt of truth truth by its very definition is exclusive which the world hates the enemy hates that we're exclusive to the truth it means something is true and other things are lies. So let me tell you real fast. If it's not the truth, it's a lie. I know those are harsh words in 2023. But it's not, it's the truth and, and, and kind of the truth. It's not, it's the truth and oh, it's, it's good. No, it's the truth. And the Bible declares it to be a lie. I mean, something is true and others are lies. The evil one is the father of lies we find in John 8. And every lie finds its origin in him. Every other piece of the full armor of God is attached to the belt of truth. You don't begin with, uh, if you don't begin with truth, you'll never, ever defeat the enemy that's coming against you in your life. It all starts with the belt. I've got to have truth. I got to have truth. It's got to be truth. If I don't have truth, uh, I, uh, the rest is a struggle. And so how do I, how do I, how do I go farther and, and apply this, the belt of truth in my life? I pursue the truth and on, uh, on, 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 the daily, I decide that I, I want more of what God has for me. I, I, I seek his word. I pray his word. I remember growing up and there are many times when we'd be in the prayer room and I would hear someone praying scripture. And, I, and, and, and there was a moment in my life where I was like, man, you're, you're praying things that he already knows. 
Remember thinking that, like you're, you're telling him stuff he already knows. And then I remember being at a point in my life where I was so desperate for a change and I was, I was so desperate to see something happen and I didn't know what else to do. I got the Bible and I just started praying scripture. I just started praying the truth. I started praying God's word and I felt like things began to break open in my life. And there's still times when I don't have a word to pray, but I go to the word of God and I just pray the word of God back to him. You know what I'm doing? I'm reminding him that this is your truth and this is your word and this is what you've spoken in my my life and I'm declaring right now that I'm taking that belt and I'm putting that belt on me and it's not good enough that I just heard it from you but I need to let it come through my heart and my life and I need to speak this and so how oftentimes I apply the word and apply the belt of truth is by speaking praying and reading the word of God in my life and I can't help but be wrapped up in that word the second thing because I'm I'm need to be aware of the time, but the breastplate of righteousness, the breastplate of righteousness, 6 and 14, we, we would read on in, in that, that scripture. It says, and having on the breastplate of righteousness in that text, we find righteousness means being made right. It's that simple. Sometimes scripture refers to righteousness that Christ gives us, his righteousness. Uh, sometimes scripture refers to righteousness that God carries out through us that we can do. We can, we can be used in such ways that would be called a righteous act, the righteous act of the saints, Revelation 19 and 8. And daily spiritual battles, both varieties of righteousness protect the heart. We've got to be sure that we put on the breastplate of righteousness so that we can find ourselves in the right, doing the right things. Both, both of these things are very, very important. The enemy tempts us with all kinds of sinful entanglements, but righteousness protects our hearts. Where does it many times start? It starts here. And then oftentimes negativity flows like water. It flows right down and then that's where, this is where it takes root in the bitterness. This is where you stop talking to people. It's where you start hating people that you used to love. This is where the enemy really, really works on you. I saw it as negative, and now I feel it as negative. And now I'm separated. I'm bitter. I've got to be careful. The breastplate of righteousness will protect us from that. I put on certain things. There's certain things I do. There's certain things I have to have. God's instructions are often viewed as, as killjoys or burdens. It's often viewed as, as um, extra work that goes, I got to go out of my way to have this. But obedience to God protects your heart from being wounded by sin. How do, I, how do I apply something like this? How do I, how do I get that? Because oftentimes I've heard this talked about, but I, I want it in my life. And so... I've got to soak in and obey the instructions from the Lord in an area of life that feels like it easily gets entangled up and, and caught up in sin. Ask, I've got, to, I've got to seek out help oftentimes to figure out what maybe I can do to, to grow. I've got to oftentimes dig into the word of God and find ways that I can apply, apply that truth to my life. And, and sometimes you also got to, you've got to find a way to be accountable. And you've, there's moments where we've talked about this not long ago, but I've got to have a real, real conversation. And there's moments I've got to ask somebody, did I, 
did I say that the right way? And I've had the answer that's not easy at times. Someone said, you know what? You didn't say that the right way. And I thought, you know what? I didn't feel like it was the right way. I didn't feel like I did that the right way. And I got to figure out how to do this the right way. And I've got to figure out how to, I've still had to figure out how to live life because the reality is I'm still human flesh and you're still human flesh. And nothing is, nothing is settled yet. There's always a chance where you can go back and you can seek out and you can do one thing. If I've done something wrong or you've done something wrong, here's the good news. The breastplate of righteousness keeps you from hardening your heart. And I can go and I can say, Sean, I'm sorry for what I said and how I said it. Would you please forgive me? And he can say, yes, I forgive you. Or he can say, no, I don't forgive you. He walks off then with a hardened heart. But guess what? I'm free and I've placed the breastplate of righteousness on me. Or we can both walk away and say, you know what? I'm going to fight against things with you and you'll fight against things with me. But let's go and see what the Lord is going to do in our lives. And so we've got to be careful because the enemy is targeting us. And I've got to have the belt. I've got to have the breastplate. But it can't stop there. It can't stop there. Ephesians 6 and 15. It goes on a little farther. It says, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. What's that word? Of peace. Peace is an attribute of the Lord's very person and character. Galatians 5 and 22, in, 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 we find that being the case, but in Greek, peace means oneness or wholeness, completeness. The gospel, which means good news, is the forgiveness of sins and access to and oneness with God through faith in Jesus. This oneness with the Lord produces peace. It ought to bring you to a place where you feel that, that peace, but that peace that would come from a place of safety and security. It should bring you to a place where you feel as if all is well. Have you ever, you ever been there before when you've had a rough time, you've had a rough season in your life, and you're able to stop and you say, you know what? It feels good to just feel the peace. It feels good to feel that. It's talking to us about that. It's, it's Ephesians, Ephesians repeatedly reminds us to stand and to stand firm. One of the easiest ways for the enemy to succeed in shaking us loose from standing firm is to tempt us with worry. Over-anxious about every little thing, concerned about all the little things. Be, be aware, we, 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 when we carry anxiousness and worry with us, we are robbed of peace. And so the enemy wants to make you think everything's bad. Everything's there to get you. All things are bad. It's, the enemy wants to make you cut down every tree in your yard just in case a tornado would pick it up and lay it on your house. Let me tell you real fast. Those trees have been standing a long time and they've not hit anybody's house. You're probably okay. So quit worrying about it. Quit worrying about it. Quit worrying about it. You worry about every little thing, but the only thing that keeps us safe many times are two yellow lines in the middle of the road. So I think everything's going to be okay. So I've got to put on this shoe, this, 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 this gospel 
of peace and I've got to clear my mind of all the anxiousness, the thoughts, the very things that let you get sleep, but you wake up not feeling like you got rest. It's because we let our minds run and the Lord is speaking and telling someone and I that you need to take a break, take a moment and you need to go put the belt on, get the breastplate on, but don't you walk out until you put those shoes of peace on. No, the gospel is there to bring you wholeness. It's there to bring you completeness. It's there to bring you peace. It's there to take away all the anxiety away. It's there to give you freedom of all that stuff. You've got to experience that. So how do I do it? I ask the Lord daily to remind me of the gospel on the, the work that he did. I've got to set my security and my identity in his work and not my own work. I can't look back on my life, but I get my identity in him. So I say, you know what? I might not be getting anywhere, but I, my identity comes from you and you're able to do all things and I'm able to do all things through Christ. And so then I've got to surround myself one more time with scripture about truth and scripture that brings life to me, scripture that lifts me from what I'm going through. And I've got to remove any and all input that steals all the joy and brings in worry in my life. If someone's constantly dropping things on you that put anxiety in your life, then I'm telling you this, turn it off, shut it off, shut it off, shut it off, shut it off. Because all they're doing, you're putting the shoes on and they're unloosing them. You're putting the shoes on, they're taking them off. You're putting the shoes on and they're taking them off. So I've got to walk and know that I can live in peace. I ought to feel peace in every decision you make. The greatest barometer for that decision is peace. Or do, you, do you feel peace? Moving on quickly here. The next part we find here in Scriptures, Ephesians 6 and 16, in addition to all this, take up the shield of faith. Paul wrote this passage for a reason because Roman soldiers carry shields that were covered with this heavy animal hide. Before they would go, this animal hide, they would oftentimes soak in water because that animal hide that was dry would, would absorb that moisture. And many times these spears were filled with um, they were filled with, uh, they, they were covered in fire or they were covered with a sharp point that a dry hide would be pierced by, but a hide that has been, been uh, given moisture would oftentimes allow that to bounce off of it. So you and I are challenged now to also carry the shield of faith to be regularly dipped in the water of God's word. The reality is many times people have walked around with shields, but you've not dipped it in God's word. You've dealt, dealt, uh, dipped it in self-worth only. Let me tell you real fast. A shield that your grandma carried is not a good shield for today. If it's, let, me, let me finish the sentence. If it's not been dipped in fresh water. I carry many shields my grandpa Rutledge carried. I try my best to carry a shield that my grandpa Rooks carried. I carry a shield that my papa Price carried. I carry the shields that my great my, my grandmother's carried. I carry a shield knowing my, my, my great-grandmother, uh, uh, Rose Pamer, she'd walk in and she'd speak the blood of Jesus. And I, I take that and who I am and my identity. She would speak after a long service and go home and pray over my dad and, and my uncle who he's with right now. She'd pray over them and say, God, give them a double portion of 
of sleep, I plead the blood over their lives. And she would carry that shield of faith. She'd carry that everywhere she went. They went through all kinds of things when they traveled from, from Budapest, Hungary over here through Ellis Island. And they were able to, to, to relocate in, the, in, in Barberton, Ohio and began a family. They faced things. They went through things. The Rook side went through things. My grandpa Rutledge went through some things. But here's the thing. If I'm just carrying old dry, wilted up shields that was because, hey, I've been, I've been this for years. Thank God Almighty. Then guess what? The first thing that's thrown at me is going to crack. It's going to break apart. It's going to die. But if I don't walk up to this altar every once in a while, as often as I can, and say, Lord, I got, I got a family of my own. I've got challenges of my own. I'm carrying this shield. Lord, I'm placing this in the water. I'm giving this to you. I'm, I'm placing this into the anointing oil. And I want this thing to be so fresh with life that whatever comes at me, whatever's thrown at me, things bounce off of it. Things are strong. It's strong because of what you've done, but also because I've taken it and I've placed it. Paul was simply telling us, you've got to have your own shield and you've got to make sure it's cared for and protected. It was your job. If you showed up to a battle with a dried up, wilted shield, you'd probably be the first one out. But if you were prepared and you walked into battle and you said, I've already given myself to this, then you had a good chance at making it through. So I've got to be careful not to be, I've got to be careful not to just identify these things, but I've got to care for these things. I've got to apply these things and I'm hurrying on. The helmet of salvation is what we can talk about next. Take the helmet of salvation. Ephesians 6 and 17 is the challenge. Salvation comes the moment we place our trust. The Bible says in Acts 2 and 38, I place my trust and I respond in obedience to the word of the Lord. When Peter came up, they said, where, or, or how do we receive this after he preached Jesus and him crucified? And the response that he said, and don't, don't forget, he was there when Matthew spoke in 28, 19, and Matthew was there on the day of Pentecost when Simon Peter spoke on the upper room. They were there in the same room, two different people saying, saying the same thing, but it's worded differently because they're talking about who he is and it matters who he was talking to because in Matthew 28, 19 he was speaking to people who believed here O Israel the Lord our God is one so it matters who he was talking to let me just tell you that real fast it matters who he was talking to because the, let me just say to you real fast the term the Father Son and Holy Ghost was not around until 325 AD in the Council of Nicaea when they begin to say how can we adopt all these people go ahead and do a quick Google search when did that terminology begin it began in 325 AD when a bunch of, uh, of, of rulers of the Catholic Church and pagan people begin to join together and they said how can we grow our body? We got to accept others in. Let's take it from being this to that. And when they brought that together, they expanded the terminology, changed the terminology. And now we have a different terminology that's being used all over mainstream Christianity. But the reality is, is that Matthew 28, 19 was talking about the one. It was talking about go therefore baptizing them in that one name, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. What's the name? There's one name for all those things, the name of Jesus. And when they said, how do we receive this? How do we receive the spirit you're talking to us about? Simon Peter got back up, walked up to the place and began to tell them how to get the helmet of salvation. Here's how you get it. You repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name, everybody say the name. The name of Jesus Christ. Why? Because there was only one that went up to Calvary. There was only one's body who was broken. There was only one blood that was poured out for our sin. There was only one perfect lamb that could be sacrificed for the world. There was only one that could cover the blemishes of my past and my future. There's only one and that blood, be it belonged to one. What was the name of the one? 
What was the name of the one? So we've got to know that the helmet of salvation comes when we understand what we must do. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection tied up in one thing. Death being repentance. Burial in the water. We've, that's how we align ourselves to that. We baptize. We are baptized by immersion. We bury the old self in the water. And how do we get life? He breathes new life into us. Salvation. Salvation. The helmet of salvation. We've got to have it. I can't stop at the belt. I can't stop at the breastplate. I can't stop at the shoes. I can't stop at the shield. I can't stop though just, just there at the helmet. You got to have one more thing with you. I got to have one more thing. The sword of the spirit. I'm hurrying here. Verse 6 and 17, it finishes it off and says, and the sword let me read the whole scripture and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. There's a lot of self-help books out there today, more than we've ever had. There's a lot of self-help preachers more than we've ever had. The younger generation, I know it, it's, it's, it's tempting at times and I, I, I've seen it. We dealt with it in Northwest Arkansas, the, 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 you know, catchy lines at times and, 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 whatever that's really, uh, I, there's not much Bible there. It's, it's amazing to me sometimes how, how we can take it and we can, we can oversimplify the word of God that we take the word of God out. And we give only these cute little principles that are man-made, that are catchy, that are easily retweetable, if I can use that word, that are oftentimes put on a, on a, on a, you know, a, a banner that makes it look cute. But, but this is not what, this is not what the scripture says. It doesn't say, let me just be clear with you real fast. It doesn't say take your pastor or your bishop's word. It doesn't say that. It says take the word of God. The sword of the spirit, the word of God. What this simply means is the explanation of this piece of armor is right there in the verse. It is the word of God. It is the only piece of the armor that is both defensive and offensive. You can envision a sword fight right now. Every child, I don't care if you're a boy or a girl, probably at some point you got a stick and you had a sword fright. At some point, Mark and I probably did this more than my mom possibly would like in the house. Broomsticks. Knowing Mark, he probably took a, a, a motor out of something else and made him an automatic switchblade sword. That's what he used to do. Everything got taken apart and remade. And I was over there just like, bro, what, how, how do you do these things? It's exactly right. It's so easy. And I'd finish my bowl of cereal. <laughs> We'd fight. And at some point, you feel like you've got the offensive, and then that person would hold that sword up, and they'd hold it, and they'd swing you around, and they'd go back at it. And you'd fight, and in a moment, you'd feel like maybe they're coming at you, and you'd hold that up. In the spirit, many times, that's what it is. That's what we deal with. Many times we're, we're using the word of God, not just as speaking to things, but many times we're also sitting back and we're feeling the weights of life. And you've got to have that word of God in your life, not only to tear down what's coming at you, but you have to have that to stop every 
bit of the principalities and the struggles that are coming at you. There's a power in the word of God that I must, must, must have. One writer, Greg Laurie, explained, he said, when we are tempted, the most effective weapon that God has given to us as believers is the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Jesus modeled this so beautifully during his temptation in the wilderness when the devil tried temptation after temptation against him. Jesus used the sword of the spirit, Luke 4 and 1 1 through 13. I won't read it because of time tonight. But when the devil tempted him three times, Jesus responded with the truth of God's word every time. And let me tell you this real fast. What the best way for you to fight negativity is to look at whatever you're facing whatever it is that is the headline for the moment, and you should find a word, find a scripture, should find something in the word of God, and you should take that word, and you should apply it over whatever it is you're facing. I'm not good enough. (laughs) I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. My past is too great. I'm a new creature in Christ. Some of us are carrying a sword in the sheath. We're carrying the sword left behind. We've we've placed it somewhere. But here's what I'm telling you right now. That sword is going to cut through possibilities for you. It's going to cut through the enemy trying to speak negatively about you. It's going to cut through a mental mindset that, that, that you're holding on to. It wants to produce something in your life. But oftentimes, we've left it aside. We've got the We've got the belt. When we got the truth, man, we got the truth. We got the truth. Look at us. We got the truth. Yay, all the good stuff. We got the truth. But you ain't got no sword. I got to have a sword. I got to go home and cut some things up in my home. I got to go home and defend my kids, what they're coming home with at times. I got to go home and, and, and fight against doubt and fear. I got to go home. I can't take a day off, y'all. I can't take a day off. I've got to make sure it's sharp. I got to make sure that the last battle didn't wound uh, the, the blade of my sword. I got to make sure it's put together right. I got to make sure I know everything's right. At I got to make sure I get a fresh, fresh, fresh blade uh, or edge on that blade. So I got a fresh word for today. I've got to make sure I go at it every day and carry all I need to have. I got to keep my heart right. I've got to walk in peace with the shoes. I've got to make sure that my head is right. I've got to make sure my thinking is right. See things correctly. What I'm trying to help you understand is not all things are bad. Not all things are bad, but what I want you to also get, it probably isn't going to get much better. But the good news I've got for you is the Word of God lets me know as we started out, this world is not my home. It's told me that this is not the end of the story for me, but there's something laid up. There's something there. There's something through the pearly gates we talked about a little bit ago, and I better make sure my heart's right so I can go through those gates. I better make sure my mind's right so I can go through those gates. I better make sure I'm carrying the sword so I can cut through whatever it is trying to disrupt what I know God is doing in my life. Amen. Would you stand with me right now? In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you right now just to take a minute. Would you right now just reach out to him for a moment? There's going to be no music for a moment. I'm just asking you to help me pray. Let's pray in Jesus' name. God, I'm asking you to help us.